Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tone Orange podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. We have a new producer. Brian is back. He did the first 10 with us and we're delighted to have him back. How are you, Brian? Good afternoon. Yeah, great to have you back. Lads, before we get into the podcast, just to remind you that you can get some exclusive content over on Patreon if you want to help us out in any way. Any contribution is very welcome. And if you could like the video and subscribe to the YouTube channel, it costs you nothing, but it would mean an awful lot to us. So our next guest is Glenn McCarthy, a fellow Northsider, somebody that I would have drank with and drugged with down through the years. So Glenn's going to tell us a little bit about his story in relation to mental health, addiction, recovery, and what he's doing today to help him around the recovery process. So we picked the podcast up where uh, Glenn and ourselves are talking about growing up in the north side and a special shout out to Glenn's brother Paul who's actually the producer on the night. So enjoy the podcast and we see everybody soon. Rocks, you yeah. had the Lee Valley, sure. you know, which was a great place. Do you, do you remember going to the Lee Valley as, as I do, kids? Yeah, out through the nuns, out, yeah. out, through the, out, out yeah. through the nuns, out through the back way and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. but like we, we like you'd be gone in the morning. To me, yeah. you'd be gone in the morning, but you wouldn't come back until night time until it was time yeah. to get fed. You know, yeah. when the lights came on the fucking street, you know, it was time to go in home. You know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> do you remember? I, sorry, James, go ahead. Do you remember Odie's shop? Oh, yeah. do I what? Yeah, <laughs> by the captain, to captain tree. And there used to be little barbers up there as well. Remember there used to be little barbers in the back. That's right. Yeah, yeah. First flashbacks, yeah, uh, and Hogan's Alley and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, the the polio school used to be yeah. called the Scope Foundation. Yeah, that's, you know? that's, that's silly, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. used to be a lot of drinking done in that lane, yeah. Hogan's Lane. Yeah, you used to remember yeah. the Hogan's old house with the big gates yeah. then yeah. up yeah. the top yeah. of that. Yeah. 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 You dare knock up that yeah. way, like, you know, unless you're in trouble. Yeah. Like. Unless you knew, unless you knew where you were going, like, that's, that was that was the main area for people that were out drinking back yeah. then, like. It was because we had so many different places to go drinking and drink was the big thing back then and yeah. the hash, yeah. you know, mm. and people just socialised that way. It was great crack, mm. you know, because there was nothing bad about it. People had a few drinks, they off, went, went off home, went to work the next morning, mm. but things then changed later on, yeah. you know. Uh, so what was it like in school for you, Glenn, growing up? Did you enjoy school? Again, as I say, I was in Churchfield School and them days were good as well because I, I would have been in sports. I played in the Hurling and football team. I played a lot of basketball and soccer. So I, I, I was kind of 
I, as I say I was in my little bubble and stuff. It's, I ventured, I ventured away from um, um, Kilcairn Close and Holly Hill. Where I started hanging around was down in Grand, the Chapel mm. Field in Grand and stuff. And that's where my first introduction to drinking drugs really was mine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, what age were you then, Glenn? I, I, I drink, I suppose, I was around 13. That would yeah. have been in Gary Waugh. I remember Gary Waugh and uh, Shannon Gary, the festival and stuff like that. I drank my first bottle of uh, Linden Village, a uh, two litre in Linden Village, and I paid for it the next mom, my mom and dad. How did, you, what did, it, how did that make you feel? Like, what, what was the attraction? Like, what was the feeling after? What did it, what did it do for you? Because it's very important for people to understand for somebody that goes on in their life and 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 in addiction. Yeah. The first time they have a drink or a drug, it it changes something within them. Yeah. What did I, it give you? I would have thought I would have been very outgoing and stuff like that, you know, with the sports and stuff. But when it came to interacting with others outside of my circle and my comfort blanket, I suppose I would have felt a bit inferior and stuff, you know. Mm. And all that stuff was only coming to me in the last couple of years. You know, the more I share about it and stuff. But um, I'm after losing my train at all. Yeah, that's fine. Keep so, going. I do it all the time. It's a social lubricant, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, like they, yeah, yeah. That, like, and when you're teenage years, well, they're, fucking, they're very awkward years. Yeah. And you're around a lot of people, especially if there's no people and there's girls, it's awkward. Yeah. There's nothing like a battle in the village yeah, to help you fit in. Like. But yeah, it helped me. I, I, but it helped me. I, I, I just felt I fitted in or something yeah. like that, you know what I mean? And I had a bit, a bit, a bit more of a voice or something yeah, like yeah. that, you know? It was that one thing that you were missing. Yeah. Like, and when it came then, it was like, oh no. Yeah. I can actually talk to a girl because yeah. I was very shy as well. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. even look at a girl or talk to a girl when I was young until yeah. I just, drink. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just fell in love. I just fell in love. Like I, I was I would have been very good at school and sports and stuff, but then when drinking stuff, I, I, I just fell in love with it. I just fell in love with that with that scene and yeah. and, and everything that came around with it as well, do you know. But um it definitely oh. brought me out of myself more, yeah. if, if, if if we could say that. Did, did it cause trouble for your home? I did very early on. I never really socially drank, to be honest. It was you know? always kind of madness, like. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, do you know, my, my dad is in the fellowship. He wouldn't mind me saying that a long time, you know. And I, I remember early teens, he fucking shaking me, like, saying, like, like you know, you're an fucking alcoholic, you know. Like, I'd go home. Is he in the fellowship, like, since you were a kid? Yeah, he's in the fellowship nearly 40 years, no? 40 years this yeah, year. He'd be in the fellowship, yeah. So thank God for the fellowship in our house, you know. And, yeah, you know so he had a good grasp of 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 the yeah. the, the damage that alcohol can do to people. Yeah, and very early on, I kind of just went out and I drank, and I found it very hard to come home and stuff like that. You know, yeah. I just I, I just always wanted to, I didn't want the party to stop and stuff yeah. like that. You know, and and especially the party in my head and stuff. But then I suffered, I suffered fierce as well, fierce early on as well. You know, the come downs and yeah. stuff. Mm. So would you have been somebody that was kind of from a young age that would have? been introverted and always taught about everything or were you more outgoing I, uh, or a bit both I, 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 like again hindsight is a, is, a, is a beautiful thing and stuff like that you know when I was back then like I, I, I thought I was grand you know but like I, I, I had to kind of I felt I had to blend in and fit in and stuff you know so I wasn't really myself back then yeah. I'm only knowing this now yeah, do yeah. you know what I mean because like you know to just, and that's where the drinking all that kind of stuff came. I mean, just to just to keep up with the Joneses, I suppose, mm. you know, as the saying goes and stuff like that. But like, with the minute I took a drink, like, yeah, like I, you know, I found addiction or addiction found me mm. very, very fast. And you know, what's the great thing, like, it's, I don't know, is it called great or whatever, but what I noticed was when you do have a drink and if you don't fit into a, a certain group before the drink and you feel like you don't, when you have a drink and you like it, you will find a group that you'll fit into fairly fast. Yeah, because it's, it's funny, you, you know, said, it's funny you said that as well. Because yeah. like I would have been involved in the sports and stuff like so. Some of the lads would have been drinking way before, like before me and stuff like that. So it was going kind to of game a catch up or something. Yeah, do you know. Um, but like as you say, like I, I played basketball. I you know if I was on the Munster team, we tried for the Irish team and all that kind of stuff. And 
do you know, I, I kind of wasn't picked in for the Irish team and I thought I should have been. And then, do you know, I kind of got sick of the basketball and then the drink came in. Like, but like, uh, there was no kind of, there was no bleeding in period. I just drank and then I just got, like, I just wanted to drink all the time. And then yeah. the hash came and then the ease and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And so when you started drinking at the age of 13, what year was that? Um, what year were you born? I was 77. So the, around, the, around the 90s, I'd say. So when you're coming into your... 89, I could have been early or not. When you're coming yeah. into your mid-teens now, the ecstasy is becoming a big thing in Cork. Huge. What was it like? Jeez, I, I dove straight into it, man. I dove straight into it. My, my first ecstasy was a, a half a pearl. The biscuits were around. Jesus, just that the, was the well before my time. I never ordered the balls. I used to write letters for people inside them at school. You know, like I used to, I used to have a good handwriting, so I'd yeah. have once mum and dad would be writing different letters. <laughs> but I'd be getting 50 pence for a letter or something like that, and I'd be saving up for Friday for 12.50 to get a half an XC tablet. Oh, but like that accelerated. That was well back then, wasn't it? But that And then the sports kind of took a backseat as well. You know, yeah. I was involved. I can remember some of the lads in Finston's coming over after the house and trying to get me back and all that. But as I say, I went from being very good in school and stuff like that to being very good at staying out. You know, I thought I made it then. Like, in Henry's came along and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. You know, um, but I fell in love with the XCC. What, did, really did. what I always explain this, and um, it, it, the reason it's just came up recently there, um, I, I read this thing. It was about MDMA and how MDMA helps people who are with their mental health. And there's tests being done over in um, America at the moment, and MDMA is starting to help the war veterans and stuff mm. with PTSD. And it, it made so much sense to me because when I was able to go back into my own life, when I was really suffering in my head as a young lad, you know, in, teen, in my teens, and ecstasy came into my life, it was like all this stuff just stopped. And it was like, I felt love. Mm. I loved every, I loved life. It was like, this is fucking great. You know, what was it like that for you? Oh, 150 million percent. Yeah. 100. And they do say it's the love drug. Yeah. It sure is. Like, you know, you, you'd end up back at parties with people there. Like, you know, you wouldn't be talking to them one time. Next, all of a sudden, everyone, I, I often hear people say like, but it's so true. But then you kind of snap over to the next day and say, geez, how did I end up here and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But I used to live from one end of the week to the other, for, especially at the start. From going out on a Friday night into the man disco or whatever, like just taking that XC tablet around the, the chapel field and stuff, yeah. coming up and everyone. And then I couldn't wait until next week. My whole week was consumed. Yeah. Like school took a back seat. You know, I did well in my junior sort. But between my junior sort and my leaving, like I just, I just, that took up. Everything was about going out and mm. just, you know, getting out on the party scene and stuff mm. like that. And, Oh, I was trying to hang around with the older people yeah. and kind of going away from the lads I played sport with. That's a great point that you just made there in relation to how, how, how addiction works because right you took the ecstasy tablet on a friday night but you were thinking about the next friday night oh, yeah. it, oh, yeah. it preoccupies your whole thinking you can't get you nothing else done live for the weekend you know oh, yeah and, and all you're thinking then is about that it's about the planning and how you're going to get this for it and that it's amazing how it just takes complete control of everything isn't it? yeah and you made a good point about the the war veterans with the mdma but i think we should probably say as well that uh the war veterans, they microdose small, very mm. tiny amounts of it. They're not sitting down with a bag of Mitsubishi yeah, junkies yeah, yeah. listening to, <laughs> listen to Sculptor thinking, yeah. this is great, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, and they use ketamine and they ketamine, use all, yeah. all yeah. sorts of psychedelics, the microdose, yeah. to kind of rewire the brain into being more calm or and help them process through some of the events that have happened. So there is a lot of benefits to it. There is, yeah. And we did feel a lot of the benefits, yeah. but there was a lot of consequences then as well. But do you know what actually happened um, in relation to that? Back in the 60s, 70s, I'm not sure the actual dates, when when um, acid came out 
and the wars were going on in America with Vietnam. I don't know, I don't know the timelines now, but what happened was they started the, the government in 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 America started to blame all the the protests and stuff on on uh, acid and psychedelics, you know, because there was a lot of tests being done at that time in America on and psilocybin and, and yeah. the microdosing and how it was helping people within the hospitals over there, and then because of what was happening, the protests. They banned it. They stopped all these, um, all the research yeah. automatically because of that. And they'd done away with it. But in recent times, in the last few years, 10, 20 years, I don't know, it's been brought back in and they're really seen, as you said, it's yeah. microdosing. It's not It's not about going away and, and getting stoned because that's yeah. that's not right. You know what I mean? That doesn't help because that just becomes a problem. It's about doing it at the right level when you're working with somebody that's facilitating if you usually yeah. a doctor. The American government, what they wanted to do, they were using LSD. They thought, they, they, there was this mad psychedelic drug, LSD, that was after being invented in Germany. And it, it, the American government thought they could use that to kind of control people's minds. Mm. But the problem was, it did the exact opposite. Yeah. It opened people's minds. And then people start protesting against the Vietnam War and poverty and racism and all this stuff. So then they quickly outlawed it. It backfired, it backfired. Yeah. Yeah. In a big way. But I remember yeah. taking acid, uh, a few, four, four trips with one of the boys. I remember after about four or five hours thinking, like, you know, this is a baby, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't know, wake up the next morning and think, I can't wait till next Friday. No. It's different with I, eat. I had bad experience on acid and mushrooms and stuff like that as well. Do you know, I just would, I did the thought of even going back into it. Like, uh, I never had a good one anyway. I, I know some people did, like, but it wasn't for me. But somebody actually see but laced with fucking with acid as well. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I know. When I did it? Do, do you know, at that age, when you started taking uh, drugs, Glenn, did, did people around you starting to notice that there might have been an issue there or did you start noticing yourself that there could have been an issue there? Again, the lads that I was with and stuff like that, they, they, had, they had a few cans and, and stuff down in down the chapel field, but I, I kind of, I, I always went to the extreme to me, yeah. James. I, I always went to the extreme. Like, there was no in-between with me. I'm either very good or, yeah. you know, and still to this day, I can be that way. It is either, you know, one day or and But, um, like, uh, once, once I started, I, I just could, I just couldn't, couldn't stop. stop. Like, and, and it was noticed. It was definitely noticed. And it was said to me a couple of times as well, you know, from very early on, I, I could have been ready for the rooms and stuff, you know. Yeah. You know, I always said, you know, my, my, my brother was in the rooms well before us mm. and stuff, and, and my dad, and I'd, I'd always joke, like, you're not getting me to them tea and biscuits meetings, you know. <laughs> yeah. Growing up, I'd load of, load of men, I thought my dad, they were all uncles and stuff, we'd load of friends, but my dad, like, yeah. my dad got sober early and there was always, always, um, always um, friends of his calling, but they were all going to meetings, that's how they got around that time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. But, like, we'd be down in the chapel fields, up in the steps and stuff, and smoke, smoking or drinking midweek, no, and all that kind of stuff. My dad and all his friends be going around the back yeah. of the meeting. I know, yeah. And years later, then I was going around with my dad and them yeah. going into yeah. the meeting as well. You but know? you know what, that, them early days, like, and I have to kind of really say this as well, I actually enjoyed my life back mm -hmm. then. It was it was good and I enjoyed everything about it, you know, but it does kind of, it, it does, there there does become a point where the enjoyment is gone and it's just about the need to have to get stoned on a daily basis. I think your life back then, it's not that you enjoy the life. The life is shit, but the ease give you a little bit of a yeah. reprieve once or twice in the week. And the company, like, you said once or twice yeah. in the week, like like for the couple of hours or for the night or, or for three or four nights, you know, yeah. the way, but, like, but like even towards the end of but it's the, I, I suffered very, very early on with the come downs and stuff yeah, because I didn't socially drink. I, I never yeah. did. I just went straight into it. And the bedroom scene, geez, the bedroom scene, like uh, I wouldn't wish it on my worst mm. enemy. But then again, 
just just for that, even if you know, even to take a line or for that two or three seconds, but or for that fucking first couple of hours, mm. I I would just do it like the bright lights and stuff, and yeah. pain has no memory kind of thing. Yeah. And it's insanity. Explain the bedroom scene. The bedroom scene to me is geez, the horror, it's the horror show. I I I wrote, I wrote a lot about it actually, but um, it's just explaining for myself. But I be my mum would have to come up to check what I was I breathing, mm. or I'd be getting sick in my sleep. Or they'd come up and just give me a couple of relaxers and it's just a bit of soup and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, and in the, like, as much as I love taking the XC and all that, like, it just became a problem because I started to owe too much money and stuff. And then I had to do other stuff to finance it. And like, yeah. and don't hide your own supply. And then I'd come home with the tail team legs missing yeah. for a week and stuff, you know. You were young then, then, yeah. I was, I was pretty young. Like, I got to ring a cab, like, in the yeah. Temple Lake we were in, and I'd ring home by mistake, you know. Yeah, and my dad yeah. said, Will you ever come home? Your mum will burn down the house with all the candles, yeah. But you don't get it at that. Yeah. You, see, but, you uh, don't get it, home, yeah. Home, you don't understand nah, what we're doing. Straight, like. straight. Like, I thought I wasn't having no one else, but like, with the worry I put on my parents and my family was not was sick. Yeah. But I'd come home and I'd go straight up the stairs and I'd be there for a couple of days. Do you know when you get so sore from laying down? Yeah. Do you know like I, I'd have to yeah. get up and go downstairs yeah. and do you know? Do, do, and do, the dirty feelings just feel you feel like yeah. you're 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 probably after a wash, but you feel like you're dirty. And still. then it could be Wednesday, Thursday, and then the thought of it again, and then you're just plotting and scheming, how am I gonna get all this one yeah. and I get money for him and then Friday, like what was that all about? Like and and you're back at it again. Do you know there was one time when I came home. Well, I didn't know I came home. I was out for, um, I don't know, I was over Christmas time. I was out for a good few days or a week. I'm not sure. Um, but I woke up in a place anyway. It was a box room and stuff like that. But I didn't know where I was. And I opened the door. And it was my landing. I was in my own house at home. My mum and dad downstairs. But when I was away, they did up the bedroom and painted it and stuff. And I got new units. And, you know, so like, so that that's where I, that's where I yeah. used to be. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I hadn't a clue I was at home, but I didn't know. How were you cope? Like, what were the come downs then? Like, you know, like you, you obviously finished school and you had to go ahead then and, and work. Yeah. You know, and um, what did, what was your, your, your line of work then? Yeah, I'm a decorator by trade. When I came out of school, I suppose my mum put, I did leave and sort, and I did okay and leaving mm-hmm. so but that time was the Henry's time you know and I was I, um, yeah, the old tough times yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I loved it loved everything about it I thought I had a mate that yeah. time but I was a patent decorator and um, so my mum um, brought me straight up to a um, into Foss so there was an electrician one I wanted to be an electrician. I think at the start, and then there was a painter and decorator. So Michael Davis, he actually lives up more of Long, where my brother lives uh, today. And uh, I went up, and she went away and got a suit off my uncle Mark. This is for an interview for a painting job, and only put on a suit. Do <laughs> 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 was looking at me coming in, you know? But I got the job straight away. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm painting since yeah. I'm painting decorator by trade. But you know, sure in the latter, like I worked for my father. Then my dad was yeah. a subcontractor with that kind of stuff. And. Uh, Everyone that worked for us was kind of the same ilk as me, you know. We'd get a subby off my dad, and one day he mightn't see us until uh, mm. he mightn't see us until Friday. And we'd be going around the place with our overalls on and all that, or sidetracks every night with the overalls yeah. on. And, but, um, but like, I still functioned for a good bit, Tim, but like, yeah. it, was, it was horrendous, really, you know, especially yeah. the head stuff. Do you know, like putting yourself through that torture and stuff, and and the only thing that would take it away is another drink and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But you're only prolonging it every time. Like. I remember being a first year apprentice paint, I know, like yourself, yeah, yeah and yeah. getting me check for me two hundred fifty euro on the Friday. Yeah. And fucking hell, you wouldn't even go home. Yeah. We wake up somewhere on the Monday morning. The paint is still on the fingers on the Friday, yeah. and then you miss some work or sometimes arriving into work with the eyes like that, trying yeah. to fucking yeah. sand a, an ugly scorpion board yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. It's he, he, you know, I, I grew up around the corner from yourselves, like in Paul, and and uh, and we there was the, an area where all the lads used to drink around the corner of the tarmac. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of people know who are listening yeah, to yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This will know the tarmac. Yeah. There's houses the in the tarmac. No, yeah. these days. Yeah. 
But like, you could go over to that place at any hour of any day of the week, like, and you probably would find somebody there, you know, coming back from somewhere yeah. or some party, like, and yeah, and they'd be getting another party going. Yeah. It was there, they were mad times. No difference like. indeed. It was no Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday kind of thing, you know. But, yeah, it was uh, a yeah, mad, it was absolutely. a mad place. Like I, yeah. I was actually afraid of that place because I was way younger. Like I was afraid I'd go up through the other way because you you would know who's after me drinking or stoned or yeah. I'm not going that way. No, there's that mocking me or something like yeah. that. Yeah, you know. So I was shy as a kid. Yeah. I was shy, but uh, later on in the years, like when I started getting a bit older, I started. You know, it, it, it was a uh, it, it was definitely one of the places to go to as 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 a teenager. You know, there was a good crack over there. There yeah. was there was great fucking. There was a great buzz. Yeah. The atmosphere. Everybody was there, and everybody really enjoyed themselves. You know. Yeah, yeah. Didn't they? And uh, how did your life develop as you went into your twenties and mature on the bus? Um, I don't know about maturing, but I, I suppose like my my bar would have been the Temple Acre. I suppose probably might have spoke about it, but you have to you would have to buzz in and buzz out of the bar, you know. Yeah. And uh, I I just I used to be in there constantly, twenty four seven. Like I used to obviously I used to walk. Yeah. Like it's not you know, but sometimes I had to finance my drink other ways and stuff. But mm. that was a disaster anyway as well. You know, it was just to get more and more. But like, you were still kind of able to hold the job. I was, I, but, but plus as well, we work. I worked for my dad and stuff, yeah. and you know, like I was able to get along with that and. But like the stuff we put them through, like I I don't know, like and and everyone that was with us like drank in the Temple Acre as well, you know, they were all the same as me. All of us were the exact same, you know. But, but yeah. like we 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 got by, and I, I did loads of foxes and stuff. I'd be doing foxes just to get extra. I used to make a fortune. I, I used to do foxes just to fucking pay mm. what I did the weekend before and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. it was just a snowman. And it was just it, it was just like that all the yeah. time. And sometimes then it came to a stage where I just couldn't work. You know what I mean? I just I just wasn't able and. I'd finance my drink through any means necessary, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. Like, was it more alcohol then after a while or did cocaine come into your life? Well, cocaine was huge for me. Cocaine yeah. was huge for me and um, even talking about it now, you know, and psychosis came into my life and, you know, like, and just having more vodka just, just to calm that. And and then eventually then I, I started drinking on my own. I even came away from the Temple Acre and all the lads and stuff and I was in and out of recovery and treatment centres so this stage and institutions and all with the head stuff, you know, because of my consumption and... Yeah. But I couldn't stop then, like, it's mad. Like, I knew, like, you're just taking that line and I'd be paranoid straight away. Yeah. Like, I mean, really paranoid. We've had a good few people contact us over the years. They've either experienced psychosis or their loved one has. Will you explain to us what it is, what it feels like, and just maybe just explain it? Yeah, I, I, I was in a period of my life, I was in it and I didn't know. I was actually told by Sam Wickles that I was in full-blown psychosis, you know, so I was functioning. I was going to work, I was collecting on the way. I was in work thinking day, do you know, mm -hmm. there was something happening and it snowballed. Like the light used to come on in my van in, and I used to be coming home with, with a friend of mine, like, and I used to think they used to have a boat, they know I'm coming home. And then I'd be at home, like, you know, I, my, my kids were young enough this time. And like, it, not that I don't like saying this stuff, but it's my story and stuff. Um, but uh, like, I used to be thinking there was people in the house and there was a secret door in the, in the wardrobe and all that kind of stuff yeah. and people were coming in, but I could see, like physically extreme, see Extreme, extreme paranoia. I was afraid, I was afraid to breathe, do you know, I was afraid to breathe. I, I thought my heart was making too much noise, did mate, you know? Yeah. All that stuff and that followed me. My, my, my shadow, I was scared of my shadow, literally, do you know, and, and it, like, even in the end, I thought my family were in on it and everything, conspiracies and going into treatment centres. If, if my book was moved, I think that, do you know, and someone from the north side or something, like I was in, I was in um, Tablelodge three times in one year. I went out of it twice over paranoia, mm. do you know, and I was going from there to the nuns and all that kind of stuff. And I was Tablelodge is a treatment centre based yeah. in Cork. Yeah, and, and, and I, the was, nuns. I was living with that for a yeah. year and a half, 
and it, like non-stop but I can still kind of go into it today with a thought or a sound or a noise mm. without a drink or a drug really but I can I can kind of I can I can handle it better do you know what I mean yeah I, I but sometimes um it just it just takes a life do you think you have you have lasting consequences so mentally through the drug use but you're you've handled on it 100 100% yeah do you know all the psychosis just to, to just to go back onto that because a lot of that stuff was was in part of my story as well a lot of it you know i can relate to a lot of the stuff you talked about but is the psychosis something that was happening while you were off the drugs as well or was it something that was happening while you were flat out no no like in the end like um like I know for a fact, if I took a line right, or even looked at it, I'm I'm in it straight away, okay. and does everything makes sense? Then does a the reason like like you like after do not a while like he'd be involved in stuff in way yeah, yeah. He'd be talking about something or the guy or like everything. Be like mm. the Truman Show. It's obviously the Truman Show with Jim Carrey. And it's all so real, like every yeah. every every. Yeah. But everything I could justify everything. Yeah. Like, it's my, my it was my living, breathing reality. Yeah. It, it, for was, years. it was the real. There was no kind of there was no, no thought behind it saying. Oh, I'm fucking taking you know, I'm, I'm thinking like this it was just yeah. that was I, everything I would have been like a, I would have been in St. Michael's and not on the stuff like, yeah. and I, like I, I thought there was people in there and then I was in there and like oh, the vodka would take it away you know all that kind of stuff but, like, and then I go down to the street and said but like even like it went on for a long time even without it you know and then I was on with 22 tablets a day prescribed by the, by the doctors like mm-hmm. You know, like everything antipsychotics, the whole lot. But then I was, I was taking stuff on top of that. Then, and mm. I knew what was doing to me, but I couldn't stop taking it. And then, like the lies, not even lies, like it just consumed me. Mm. It, it just totally, and utterly consumed me. And and I would say I, I, I would be scared from it and stuff like that. But I have, like I, I can just see it for what it is when it comes, and then it goes as fast. But sometimes it can take over. Mm. But I kind of tend to speak about it a bit more often than that, you know. Yeah, because it's a big thing that affects a lot of people. Yeah. But yeah. people don't understand it, and they mightn't be. You know, you don't get anybody talking about it in the media either. So it's good for you to talk about it. Have you ever been when you're in your psychosis uh, admitted to psychiatric hospitals? Did you ever do like overnights in St. Michael's and stuff like that? Yeah, I I I wouldn't say, but I was kind of a regular in there then as well, you know. Um, you know, and I, I tried to take my own life a couple of times because I couldn't handle any of this stuff, you know. Mm. A lot of them were cries for help, a lot of it was drama, big ball of drama. But in the end when I was caught up in this, like like I, I didn't know what was right or what was wrong, what was real, what was not, and I was still trying to function. Yeah. The insanity of that, and awake all night, not sleeping for weeks and weeks yeah. and weeks, and even that blow stuff. I was mad for all that kind of stuff, I and I, I was and a guinea pig for that. I used to test that stuff, and that was the worst <laughs> thing that you could take for it as well. Yeah, and you know when you hear about people back in the day, you'd hear horror stories of people that they take a drug, a trip, and yeah. they, they they don't come out of it. That's kind of the psychosis side of it, isn't it? Oh yeah. Some people they end up in you know just psychiatric cases for longer time. Yeah, you say that like I would have been in hospital and like I would have been pointed out like right here here now you psychosis like this fella had drink and drug fuel psychosis and he never came over and this fella have just have it like he you know yeah. he's born this way or, yeah. or whatever and you're on a tin line and you're still yeah. your board line and you're still coming in and out of it you know what I mean and you're still coming into us that's the way it was pointed out to me scary isn't like it? is it that's that's total utter insanity yeah. but then like what I knew was doing it I, I still couldn't stop it like even just for that first minute yeah. or two and like but in between all of it even when I hadn't got it then it, it was my it was my reality like I would be working in people's houses and I'd hear a noise I'd be upstairs painting the bedroom and I wouldn't come down I thought they were in the attic day like mm-hmm. but it, it was all growing legs I mean I believe something happened but it just grew legs and, and you said you, you have kids as well 
what, yeah. what was your relationship like with your kids and your partner at this time? It must be very difficult. Yeah, but like my kids were very young, you know, and yeah. even speaking about it now, and they'll probably see this and stuff like. But you know, they know daddy means well, and you know that it, it's 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 about it's about helping as well, you know. Like you know, I, I was that hopeless case, and I I, I nearly very tapped yeah. out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I'm not. Do you know, I didn't, uh, yeah. and I think it's important as well to speak about this stuff as well. Yeah. Do you know, but the kids and stuff. Like Ria would have been very young, you know, and Charlie would have been a bit young as well, you know what I mean? So like, um, you the, know, they, they know I go to meetings and all that kind of stuff. The, the mother of the kids at that time. Yeah, yeah, no longer real, you know, um, but um, at the time, I'd say it was very tough, like even for yeah. my family as well, you know, like yeah. I, I have to put and hold my hand up there, like, you know, like uh, it was like I was living two lives and stuff like that. Imagine now, like you're a parent now. You, you, you can put yourself in your dad's position what it must have been like to see he's not just one of his sons uh, either or, like you know? my friends following me around the city in the county like you know just behind me back like in yeah, yeah. getting arrested on Shandon Street after you know going into there and drinking vodka at the counter or yeah, yeah. coming over across the road into a van and I had one bottle for, for blood and one for just vodka if I, you know that's where I went and I drank that back then if it was you know yeah. that's, that's where I but ended up that is like, that, that is taken on to St. Michael's from Shandon Street then or yeah that's where it brings you. Like talking about that, not really. It, like, but that's, but that's, it's important that's to talk about yeah. because that's where that, yeah. that's where it brings you. Yeah. Do you know, that's where addiction brings you. It brings you to, like, yeah. it's great that you're speaking very openly about this stuff and you're very honest. Yeah. And I think it's very important yeah. because people need to understand how bad it can be. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not very easy. Like, yeah. like the loneliness. Yeah. Like, like what yeah. I get. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The loneliness, like what I'm just sitting here and taking, some, taking your story in because I, 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 I've often, like we're good friends and I've often spoke to you about your story and, and we, we sat down and, uh, you know, but you're going into a lot more detail today. You know, but it's that lonely place, especially when the psychosis is there as well and you can't trust no one, you can't ring nobody. No. And it's just lonely. And then when people don't answer their your phone to you, then when you need more drugs or money or whatever, it's like, it just, it's just like threefold in. Mm. You know, it's a really tough place to and be in. And, and cocaine is such a big issue in Ireland at the moment. 
and people are out there and they're working away you know and they're having their lines on the weekends or whatever and they think it's grand but there's a there's a fine line mm. and you might be susceptible to this thing and you might never know about it until you're in fucking you have an episode you know yeah and it might be too late so it's mm-hmm. just people have to be aware of that too yeah it's not it's not a safe drug like people might think it is no. do you know cocaine right and i'll, I'll be brief in this cocaine i i used to go around the place and i was involved in drugs as well and i, t- I took a lot of uh, cocaine it was the main uh, drug of choice for me and i used to justify it because i looked at it as being a sociable drug and it was it was sociable it wasn't it wasn't a doctor drug let's say mm. like heroin was mm. looked upon as in something that wasn't bad you know but i'll tell you from my own cocaine use it brought me to a place that i, I couldn't imagine I, I could imagine myself being inside in a hole just very very easily i was in a broken broken man completely paranoid you know People are out there and they think, ah, I'll only do it on the weekends. And that's fine. That's fine. It, it might be grand for a few weekends. It might be grand for a while. But what happens is, right, this is what happens. You'll go through a difficult part in your life. Something might happen. There might be somebody die. You might have a, a breakup in a relationship. The first thing you're going to turn to, to heal that pain, to so you can soothe that little bit of pain that you've internally, is that drug. And what happens then from that is you'll start becoming very dependent on it. And you'll go from the weekends to the Wednesday, the Thursday, Friday, and you'll get caught up in it, and you'll get caught up in the drug then, and lives are tumbled upside down after it then. And that is the reality of cocaine and other drugs, you know, and that's what happens. When I was working in drug and alcohol services there for a couple of years, the main thing that people would come to us with was alcohol. That's a given in most treatment areas. But you know what the number one drug was? Cannabis. Mm. People were just demented from it yeah. because, you know, if, you've yeah. any, if you're susceptible to a mental Ill health issue or a mental illness, you might have a gene or something that it might have never been triggered if you never smoked it. Mm. But people had, and they were going into psychosis because of the cannabis, was causing the first issues in their I, life. I, 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 used, like, I used to smoke when I was younger, right? Cannabis and stuff like that. But like, and uh, like, I would literally take anything. I've, I've never went down the other road. Like, yeah. And if I was there, I probably would have. But what I'm trying to say is, I used to get very paranoid over that at the very start yeah. as well. Overall, for just hash on its own. So I kind of never went there. But Timmy was saying there, <laughs> like, as much as I just spoke about cocaine, what it did for me, you know, and I was a heavy drinker as well. But, uh, even still today, I could still think about that. And you know, if well, you brought up a point there, and and it just it just resonated like the last couple of years. If I had a slip and stuff like that, you know, I know what was going to happen if I took it. But you know, for that first two or three seconds mm. of like that comfort, yeah. of taking something that I know it's yeah. going to fucking make me paranoid for the next week. Yeah, like not. I mean, like it's not even the night. Like it just really fucking sends me, and I still go in here. Yeah. Like it's the so strength like, of it. It's that draw it's for that strength of it. You said that. it. Uh, it's the, the euphoric feeling that you but get from it this one yeah, or two. That's After it. That, then the head is gone. I don't even. It it's, it it comes at me then straight away. The paranoia. Yeah. Like that's insane. And then I I used to drink vodka. That was my drink. Like and and lots of it. Like at in the end when I was on my own, I used to be going around the place on my own for years. Like I'd be in and out of people's lives and I'd be grand, but yeah. I was functioning myself that way. But I would have to drink that to sort out the psychosis and the paranoia. Uh, and, with, and then sometimes I'd end up, I, I was off to drink and I'd be taking coke on its own for fucking months mm. on and off. Mm. Uh, living, you know, even when people thought I wasn't taking it, like, and, and just, just the energy it took just to function yeah. and just to do stuff was absolutely mad. crazy. It's mad. How did it come to my head for you? 
Um, it came to a head a couple of times, I suppose. Is um, I'd, 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 I would have ended up in hospital and stuff, and my insides were were ruined from from all the drink I used to be taking. So I used to be passing blood a lot, you know. Um, I'd end up owing loads of money or something, uh, and then I'd end up in hospital, and then I'd be off to a treatment centre. Treatment centres were a big part of my life, and you know. Uh, and then I go away, and I you know I go away and stuff, and I get well, and I would I get well, and I come into come back into the rooms of A and stuff like that. How long would you get out of it? Um, the most I got without drinking was around was nearly five years before he, for the last year and a half of that I was I was going to meetings but I, I was starting dabbling with the coke again you know and all the secrecy of that yeah. and all that kind of stuff and and then eventually then the head would snap and I couldn't handle it and I just downed something and then it's just fucking it's a big body drama it might be good learning there now for people and Paul gave us great learning the last time he was here because he was multiple years as well and went back out there what was the thought process before you started to pick up? Like, were you starting to question the rooms, or were you starting to question, my, am I an addict? Yeah. Or my, my 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 big my big thing, and I always say it in the rooms, and it's like I, I'd fade away. I'd, I, I'd never stop going to meetings, renting. My life gets well again. I'm going to the gym. Work is good. The kids, the family is good. There's no thing, but like I'd step away from work. We will. Mm. Do you know, I, I when I was in Fellowship House, we we used to go down to the Sacred Heart to a meeting, mm. and I heard a woman saying, "Ashley, fade away," and I said, "That's me." That's me. So I, I wouldn't stop. I'd fade away. And like, there wouldn't even be a thought. Like, you know, the slip before the slip, they say. Yeah. But I wouldn't. But I suppose sometimes if I'm left on my own, right? Like, if I know, if I know um, at the time the kid's mother was going out and stuff like that, because I used to go because I used to drink no more. Yeah. Then I was in the meetings. I wasn't around people as much speaking about the stuff. Um, but I didn't know that then. Like, then it, it thought, oh, I, I get a bit of that. But I, I'd, I'd fester on that for a week or two. Mm. And then eventually, before you know it, but then trying to get it because everyone who I was off and no one's allowed to give it to me kind of thing yeah. it was mad like the yeah. things I used to have to do to get it yeah. but I used to always be yeah. able to get it and then then for weeks and weeks and weeks I'm taking it no one knows no one knows next all of a sudden there's vodka in my hand mm. but it's over because I can't handle it no more and yeah, then it's yeah, like yeah. you said something there and I think it's important to bring it back to where you, you said something about the slip before the slip the slip before the slip do you want to explain what that is it's, it's, uh, and I'll just give a brief description of it the slip before the slip is the thinking the mind the planning of maybe going away to use something or the way I can get drunk and not talking to anybody else about it mm. and you're festering in your head and you're planning and you're running with the film of it in your head and you're actually slipping it's you're nearly there if we had no way stepping back from the meat yes yeah and you're keeping it to yourself because deep down you actually you're getting excited you, for actually, it. you actually know it's coming right? yeah you know what's coming do you know what i mean yeah. and it'd be grand but even in the end like because i i i'm in old rooms a good few a, a long time it was in 2006 you know so like i would have got good stints of recovery and stuff and and did service and all that but like my one was i would just fade away i would fade away and then I wouldn't drink first. I would probably take the substance first. Usually people yeah. drink and then take the other thing, you know, but then I couldn't handle that. But it was all secrecy and stuff like that, you know, and I just I just couldn't handle it. But my my, my slip would, I, I wouldn't be going to meetings and I wouldn't be around and stuff, but I'd get that fucking urge or something, yeah. like and people are out and enjoying themselves and I'm not, and it's the poor me's then would come in and i justify stuff and no one will know. Um, what different. would you tell somebody to do if they're feeling like that before they actually relapse? What would you tell someone to do? Like, would you tell them to, to break the silence? This time and around, tell somebody? this time around, like, because I, I had a bad slip last year, actually, just after getting married, to be honest, yeah. you know, and, and it was pretty bad. Like, um, um, I just, I, I just pick up the phone, like, like, or if I'm talking to someone, or if I go to Blarney meeting stuff, like in the meeting, like, whereas before I wouldn't say it, I, I'm thinking about taking a drink, I wouldn't, because you know what, 
I wouldn't want to see it because I rat on myself out oh, just in case I do want to do it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's all the that. Like, of it. You're in a meeting, but you're not really in the meeting mm. anymore. You know what I mean? It, it, you're, you're not. You're and, the honesty, yeah. and fuck it, you know, fuck it. Yeah. And, and, and it, it doesn't matter how long you're off it because we were, we were away last no, week no, and, no, and, no. and I was walking past an off license on the street and I was on my own and the head came in and said, there was nothing wrong with me. Jesus, do you know what? No. Nobody, no, if you went in there and got an old bottle and you ran in, keep it yourself and you gone away. And I was like, where is this coming from? We, like? were, in, we were in Porto with a lot of civil servants and we did a conference, an international prison co conference thing. And afterwards, oh, the pressure was over, it went really mm. well. We went out, we had a lovely steak. Me and Timmy had a big fucking tomahawk steak between us. Afterwards, then people were there drinking cocktails. And me and Timmy were there on mocktails, you know? Mm. Uh, sex on the beach with no alcohol a fucking dry humping on the beach I was calling it <laughs> but uh, there's a party thinking like wouldn't yeah. it be alright in a small drop of fucking vodka and that you know mm. loosen up the small but have a sink and, and that's, that's how it happened for me man that kind of yeah. stuff you know um, and just trying to get a snakey drinking even when you were in company or something like yeah. that like and, and it's just but you have to watch that thinking. The point really here is is that yeah, thinking. Course, like, we'll, 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 just we'll, nothing wrong with thinking about it, you know. I know well, because it does come into my head because yeah. I'm an alcoholic and I'm an it alcoholic. It is about catching it straight away, isn't it? And then you can just throw it up with and tell somebody about it. But I'd be about like it. that with, with my thinking, yeah. you know, my thinking. Like I, I, I can just catch it. I can see if what it is. I can see yeah. it coming more often than that. Sometimes I don't, and it just runs away at me. And yeah. just think, well, we just know, you know, I be, you know. But so like, what's different this time around for Glenn? Um, in recovery. Um, what have you learned from the last time? Uh, what have I learned? And this is only recent. About you, like? Yeah, um, it, it never works anyway. Yeah. Right? It never works. There's always drama. Um, I'm very lucky to be here. Yeah. Every time, like, that's where it goes. No, I, like, I don't get I don't get an hour, a couple of hours out of it in the morning. I want to end it all. It's just, yeah. and my head can't take it and stuff. Do you know, but I know there's more to life as well, you know, do you know. To let the last last couple of years, you know, I, I kind of fell in love with a bit of writing and stuff. Mm. And uh, it, it, it's quite, I don't know, you obviously are, it's my happy place and stuff. But, but when I when I tend to write, like I'm, I, I, I get the feeling like it's uh, all the stuff, all the trauma, all the stuff that I went through in my life is able to come out better, do you know what I mean? Mm. And, and it just goes onto the page. And like I, I've heard for years and years and years in treatment centres, and other places I was in that I should take up creative writing. And I fucking used to take offence to it, thinking that they thought I was dramatising my story. Uh, no, again, in hindsight, like, it, may, it makes sense, no, because the, it was just the way I was I was explaining my story and stuff, uh, but I, I was getting very bad over it. Like, this is my fucking story. Because uh, uh, anytime uh, I read something, you know, a bit of work yeah. you get done, and where I, I look up and everyone is looking at me like, and, you know, yeah. and, and a couple of counsellors often say that to me, you know. Yeah. So, you know, these days, that's what I do. I, I, I do a bit of writing and a bit of meditation and stuff like that. And uh, I meditate every morning. Yeah. Some mornings, some for ten minutes, others for. And, and what does I, that do for you? What does the meditation and the writing do for your head? It just realizes how fucking busy my head can be as well. Do you know, you'd be able to sit with that uncomfortableness and stuff at the start, and it'd be persistent. And I'd be persistent enough, you know, to say in the fellowship, they keep coming back, yeah. and that's the one thing. Thank God, up till today, that I keep doing. You know, and you know, life is for living. Like you know, and I'm, I'm really enjoying my life today. You know, yeah. you but, look very fit. Yeah. You look yeah. very fit. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of training these days. So I, I was I was always into fitness yeah. and training and stuff like that, you know. Um, and that's what used to happen in the rooms as well. I get fit in the gym and the work and all that, and then I'd fade away, you know. But um, you know, this time um, it is all or nothing. I, I'm training for an Ironman. I'm training. Yeah. You know, I joined the Cockshaw Club there, the uh, Triathlon Club, the last couple of months. And over the last year, I'm training away myself. 
um, and I kind of put it out there that I was doing one, you know, so I was training away myself and I'm in the Cork Tri Club and I had my first race there over the weekend down in Kerry, the Duatlan and I'm doing the Yarl one and I signed up for the Barcelona just, one to start or nothing. Just for anybody. There's, there's no in between. Like, just handling the addiction into something that's more healthier. Yeah, yeah I, and they say when I was out on the bike, you know, I kind of meet new people every week. There's around 300 people in the club, like, and they say you're either born into this, your family and stuff, or else you're, you're, you're a GA fellow that's after retiring or someone in sport and you're finally chatting or else there's the addiction and then you just hand up straight away. Like, I'm the addiction fellow anyway. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what for I mean? anybody that doesn't know what a triathlon is, do you want to just explain what's involved in finishing the triathlon? I know, young man. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Tri- 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 an Ironman is just a longer tri- triathlon. It's just a swim, a, a bike, and then a run. And oh, how long are they for? Not just the swim, a bike, and a run. Yeah. yeah how yeah. long are they for? Well, the, the Ironman is three point eight kilometer swim. Right. Um, uh, the bike is one hundred and eighty kilometer, and and then there's a marathon, forty two kilometer after that. <laughs> just a run. There's half Ironman and then there's Olympic distances and then yeah. like there's a lot of social I'm, I'm seeing there's a lot of social side to the club as well and people might even do them distances you know like there's sprints and stuff now in saying that I still I, I'm under no illusion like I haven't done a full one yet but I am training to get there like and mm-hmm. you know I have the head for it I definitely have the I'm after I'm after finding something that fits me man yeah. I really am you know and I'm enjoying the journey as tough as some days are you know what I mean and it's, it's 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 also alone. You eat what you want. You oh, know, the things you can eat what you want because yeah. you're burning off. Yeah. You're burning five or six thousand calories yeah. there. Going out the bike or whatever. Mini, like a mini Ironman, morning in the gym. You know, just myself, yeah. like on the walk bike, and and then I run after after, and then I swim in the morning with the club, like and. Even I can't the club now, yeah. but no, I I'm fucking I have a buzz for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I really have a like. You know, like there's a change like there's a change because I know your story I know you, I know you well you know and I, I see what you're doing with yourself today you know you're writing your poems and stuff like the depth that's in your poem is there like is powerful around like how the head can start attacking us and particularly if we have no understanding around our thinking and we don't we, we, we don't understand the actual uh, biology of, of our thoughts and, and how how they actually where they come from uh, person can actually start believing what's going on in their head but not like from listening listen, watching and reading some of your poems um do you want to do you want to explain yeah hold up hold up the book to the camera do you, want, do you want to explain um what the book is about yeah so as i mentioned um the last uh, jen jen came down jen came downstairs we got married last year on april the 23rd right and, uh, i actually over co- I got co for the second time that Christmas, right? And I used to, um, I used to listen to Moji and Eckhart Tolle a lot and all the stuff that my brother does. And I, I tried to break it down in my own words and I started putting it into WhatsApp groups, right? And a lot of people said, geez, that's very good. I can understand that, you know? So I'd like, it's like sometimes I write, I sit down and it's like the formless me, you know, like the, this yeah. presence and stuff is writing the physical me's experience. And I just get out of my own way. And sometimes, so I, I said, I'm going to write a book. Someone said, there's a book in you. So last January and February, the, the, the January and February before we got married, of last year, I, I, I wrote a book titled My Truth and the Search for It, right? So I had it written in two two months. Now, I've never did anything like this in my life, right, at all, right, going back to what you were saying about the creative writing. Do you know, but Jen came, in the process of doing that, um, Jen came downstairs one day and uh, I makes a coffee on the stovetop. So by the time she went out and brewed it, I said, I'm going to write a poem for her. And I was thinking of saying that at the wedding. And before she came back in, I had a poem written, first time ever writing a poem, like I'm after, I'm after at least writing a hundred, a hundred, around hundred and fifty poems since this time last year. Do you know? And, and, you've, and the poems. That's your first book. You've another book as well. Yeah, but 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 my truth and the sort for this kind of like I show, like I showed to a few people yeah. that that know me and they said it was good and stuff like that. 
but like it leaves a lot of Grammarly stuff but I gave it to an editor then and he gave me a couple of and that's your uh, personal life story yeah he, he gave me a couple of home truths yeah. about it that he doesn't think it's ready and I, I, I took on board criticism but it's criticism you know it was yeah. constructive criticism and I needed to hear that but like so I, I started working with Stanley you put mm. me on to Stanley you know what he was on the podcast with G and I listened to the podcast by and I just totally identified him with the head stuff so you, you put me on to Stanley so I'm kind of with Stanley for the last year he's like my mentor yeah. Yeah. and uh, that's, that's bo- that, that book there is, is just how many poems are in it Glenn? Uh, I think there's around there's around 55 poems what's your, what's, what's, what's your favourite po- no I, I know there might, might be many favourite poems in that but what what poem really sticks out for you in that book and it, it just gives you in context of where your head was back in the time and if you if, if, if you would would you be able to read it out for us I, I, I would I, I'd like it, like there's um, the first title of the, of the book like, the first yeah. section of the book is called The Slip Yeah. so I wrote I wrote for um I wrote for I was out back went back out there for six or seven yeah. weeks um and after that, the wedding and stuff. But I scribbled through the whole six and seven weeks while I was in bed sits and running around the county and stuff. Mm-hmm. She were all looking after try, trying to find me and stuff like that mm-hmm. and going through town. So the first section of this is the slip, so it's actually stuff that I wrote, some of it in psychosis and stuff and in bed yeah. sits. Yeah. So they're really the raw ones. And it's that editor said to me, says Stanley told me about your poems, read me one of them inside. Inside John, John Tyne is his name. Read, read me one of them. Uh, and uh, so I read Torment to him. Mm. And he nearly fell off the seat. That's the direction you need to go. Yeah. Will you read Torment? I will. Please. I will. Yeah. And so there's a lot of art behind the behind each of the poems as well. Yeah. Do you know? So yeah. like it's it's kind of four pages, but it's, it's they're short. They're short writings. You know, you can see. Yeah. yeah. So this is Torment. Uh, pressing hard to handle jealous tendencies, crippled with paranoid, factitious rumours, conversations upstairs without my consent, stro- stories growing leg- legs. It did happen. I'm not making it up. Pulse accelerates, relent, clock ticking, sweat dripping. All so real, so real. Trying in vain not to feel the pain, the pain, the invisible pain. Insanity thinking, who's blinking, run and hide. It's tough bringing up a front while you're crumbling inside. Nowhere to hide, nowhere to hide. Holding my breath, heart pounding, shh, they'll hear me. What's that? Secret doorway in my wardrobe. Enemy at the gate, the passage to my room. I can never find it, but it's there, I swear. One more line heightened the horror show, can't help myself. Scared little boy in a man's body. Who's that? Why are they always in black? Heart attack. Don't move, can't move. Breathe, Glenn, breathe. Shallow breath, they'll hear me. My heart is making too much noise. Paranoid, shh, shh, shh. Nosebleed, run. Hide, please let us subside. Crying inside, never doing it again. Hour past, pulse slowing, day disappear, justifying. What was that all about? Just one more line, insanity, insanity, back to insane, going off my game. Go through it again, fuck again, addicted to self inflicted pain, self sabotage, torment, torment, repent. Why is that window open? Here we go again. This me, myself and I, internal dialogue. External forces plotting against me. Why do you do this to yourself? Why? 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 Psychosis in me. Yet I can't see it always follows me. Suffering, suffering, suffering. Self-inflicted torment. Drinking drug-fueled psychosis my living, breathing reality. Dawn comes, needs something to come down. Time to put on a show. Masks on. Light. Last night never happened. Off to work. Collect on the way. Here we go again. Engine light comes on. They have a boat. Fuck, fuck, fuck. By paranoid dressed in Glenn's clothes. Fucking hell. That gives you some insight as to what's going yeah, on in yeah, your head at that moment. When he does that stuff. So there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of that stuff. Um, it's called The Slip. 
And it's like one of them I wrote in the welcome four years on, in, actually in the welcome in the pub, you know. Early morning the, house. The early morning pub and to hell and back. So. But that gives you a great insight as to what you're actually, when you're in it. Yeah. That's like, it brings you straight to it. Yeah, there were times during that period when I was in them. Um, I could have never put 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 the, the words onto anything like that before I, uh, you know, the, the way you're able to put they, words. They're, they're, like they were written active, especially the, um, the bedroom scene and stuff like that when I was in the B&B in the Western Road. So, like, you know, like any time I looked left or right, I was getting the biggest frights. It was the writing that was keeping me, do you know what I mean? Uh, the mirror had eyes on me and the cold bathroom floor getting sick in the yeah. sink. So I, I scribbled. It was scribbles. It wasn't written in poem format. It was yeah. a lot of scribbles you, on my phone and stuff. Which gave you a focus, like, you know, for six weeks I did that. So there's a lot of that stuff there and then there's other stuff then. So it's, it's, it's like a journey from darkness to with, with, there's a load of act as well yeah. involved in it yeah. do, do you know what stood up for me there as well do you know when you're in that kind of um, place that psychosis oh. and you're at it for a few days and stuff there's no music anymore no. everything has to be still because you're you're around the house like that mm. trying to hear noises to see you're peeping out the window then for hours and hours and hours mm. And you're just waiting for the noise. Mm. And it's like your own breathing then is something that's actually, you're afraid of it. Mm. And you're, you're, and you're stopping your own breathing because yeah. you're, you're, you're hearing things. Is like, it's actually mad. It's just like, yeah. it's You're mad. in one position for, for under an hour. It's and mad. Never again, never again. And, and then, then your body then, starts to lock. Then, but then you come around and then you start yeah. making noise again. And then yeah. you take an, and, you know, yeah. it's and you're gone again. Dazzled. If somebody wanted to get a copy of the book, how, how would it go about it? Yeah, so this is all. It is out for pre-order there now. So most of the stuff that um, that will be, we're actually doing a launch. We're doing a launch up in St. Vincent's Hall in the football club. We found out today, and oh, the, oh. it's the day of the marathon, the fourth of um, of June. Myself and Jen are doing the half marathon. I'm doing the half marathon, with and it's under half five up in um, up in Vincent's. But it's ready for pre-order as well. And they put the link in um, into the show after the yeah. show and stuff. But uh, uh, anything to do with it will be coming out soon. As regard, we'll be on hello, my friend PMC yeah. Paul's um, yeah. uh, thing. So it'll be coming out for after, and it's ready for yeah. pre-order now as well. And we'll be doing a big book launch as well. Yeah. You know, you know if people want to contact you, say hello or give you a message. How can they do that? Again, through hello, my friend, and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. yeah I've no kind of uh, Instagram. We leave the links in the. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the links will be there. They'll be greatly appreciated. You yeah. know, you should, you should. Do the spoken word with your poems and yeah, and, stand, and, and, stand with and, do on, that. and do them on the on the social media, but because a lot of people are going to be able to relate with a lot of I stuff. I think that's there. that that's the next process of it. You know, um, you know, you know, like as much as it's a poetry collection and it's a poetry book, my my initial thing was to write a book and stuff, but my story is actually in there as well. Yeah. You know, there's thousand more introduction to each section, and and it'll just bring you on a journey. You know, from my darkness into light. So there's yeah. hope as well at the end of it. You know, yeah, and, and that's the reason I do it. Really, is and it's the sole purpose. Really, is like. Why not write a book or a poetry book and go to the comfort zone? Why not do a podcast? Yeah. Why not do seminars? What Paul is doing? Yeah. Why not us? Like, yeah. do you know exactly. what I mean? It might, you might you mightn't have to write a poetry book or a podcast, but it could be something else. Find something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It could be fucking helping your neighbour across the road, but just yeah. get involved in stuff because you're not on your own. I thought I was on my own for years, as much as I didn't want for anything or so. So I thought. I, I was locked up up here, by mm. I was in my own fucking cell, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. With no way out. To find your purpose, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, and a bit of focus as well. And the training is doing that for me. Yeah. No, it might be a bit extreme for others, but yeah, I, yeah. I'm fucking loving it. Do you know, when that book comes out, just yeah. get ready for a lot of mad stuff coming your way. Yeah. yeah. Because I tell you now, Glenn, yeah. but... Yeah, I'm but very proud the, of it, man. And you know, it's, but it's thanks to Stan as well for yeah. for guiding me and helping all the family yeah. have from all the, the support I have from family and friends and stuff. And there's a lot of that in there as well. 
Uh, I really enjoy the journey of making it, and uh, 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 I won't be stopping here, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank Being you, lads. A great guest. Thank you. A lot of learning there for people, a lot of wisdom. Yeah, and it's great to see you looking so well and doing so well. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks to Paul for being our producer on and the night. You know, as well. before we finish up, a shout out to the women and all those as well. Yeah. That really, really kind of keep us going. Yeah. Like, I know and your wife, you know, Jen. Do you know what? Yeah, you know, thanks, thanks for saying that. Yeah. Well. But yeah, just for Jen and for my kids and stuff yeah. that will be here. And this your kids. Like it, you know, like yeah. it's all it's all for a good reason. And my my, my family that yeah. I'm behind me and stuff like. And you have a good family, Glenn. I'm I'm totally blessed. I'm you with have the, a good I'm, family. I'm, I'm, I'm with the friends and stuff. I always say, take we are second name because there's so many of us strong doing it. I always and well done on the Opera House as well. Thank you very much. You know, we always say to Paul. I was doing a, a retreat up and thing, and you were on the Opera House that time. I wasn't up Last at that year. time, but when you mentioned the movement, yeah, yeah. and it's actually like on the book that I wrote, yeah. that didn't come out yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only a first half now, and we'd never come out, but I had it. And uh, like chapter 16 was kind of the movement and what we were all doing as a community around yeah, the place, yeah, yeah. you know. And that's what I feel it is. Yeah, and yeah. and, and we're blessed that yeah. we have so much around us. Like We're uh, blessed in Halley Hill and Achnehini that there's so many people there in recovery yeah. and yeah. they're open about it, but we need more people to write books, to do what Paul is doing, retreats yeah. and, and just, just step over our comfort it, zone. Yeah. I show people that yeah. there's, a, there's, better, there's more to life, as you said it yourself, or there's more to life than drinking drugs. Yeah, and it's about bringing as many people along for the yeah. journey as we can, you know, but you said it, like, without, without our support yeah. and our loved ones, like, we'd yeah. be lost, like, and I, I'm yeah. truly blessed, like, you know, with Jen and my life and stuff. Yeah. And my kids and stuff and their mum and we all get on grand, like, you know. So, yeah. so it makes I, life I, easy, I, don't it? It sure does. It sure <laughs> no, does, you know what I mean? So they're okay. in the background, like, yeah. yeah. Listen, thank you so much, boy, for coming in and sharing your story with us. Um, you know, I, I know how difficult for, it can be for anybody to share their story, but I know your story on a personal level and I know how, mm. how it was. And, you know, you're actually an, an inspiration to a lot of people. A lot of people, and when people listen to this, they're going to know where you came from, and they're going to they're going to find hope from your story because, and that's what it just is. It's hope because you you were at the bottom, mm. you know, and you climbed yourself right up, and you're here today. You're shining. You're married. You're writing books. You're helping people, and you're bringing up your kids. Mm. You know, and you're able to bring them up, and that's the biggest thing. A lot for me that I'm able to teach my kids a different life to the life I had. You know, teach them how to live in today's world, and that—that's the biggest pleasure that I have today. But if I went, if I died in the morning, I know that I—I lived a bit of a nice life, you know, because when I was caught up in an addiction, I was just living to survive and just to cope with what was going on for me internally. But today I'm living, mm. you know, and I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm so glad that I'm here today just to hear your story mm. at the table because it's powerful. I mean that, uh, and we had Tommy here a few weeks ago as well. Yeah, you know, and now uh, we might have the two of you or all of you here, all of us here, Paul, the whole lot of us sitting around the table. Some stage you're talking about how it is, how we're all getting on in recovery at some stage down the line. But isn't it amazing? Even the four of us here in the room yeah. and stuff like that, from where we came from and from where we're at and stuff like so. But, but it's so true. I hope yeah. there's, there's absolutely no such thing as a hopeless case. Yeah. Never give up. Never give yeah. up on yourself. And if there's something going on, just just open your mouth. You know what I mean? Just to, to, yeah. there's always help there. Thanks, Glenn. Great, great words to finish on. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Glenn. See everybody next week. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.